I am very grateful to be with all of you in this holy place, Vrishikesh, in the Himalayas, on the banks of the holy river, Mother Ganga. My special gratitude to Her Grace Sadvi Bhagavati Devi for being here with me and for Parampuja Sri Chidananda Saraswati Maharaj for organizing this beautiful event. Bringing people from all sectors of life together in this holy place. About 5,000 years ago, there was a gathering of great yogis and sages on the banks of a river not too far from here called Gomati in a forest of Naimasharanya. These sages and rishis and yogis, they came together for one purpose. To discuss how to be instruments of true compassion for humanity, for the present and for the future. The great Saint Bhaktivinod Thakur has written that when love of God awakens within the heart, it is our natural, most essential potential. And that love is expressed outwardly in the form of compassion to all living beings. It is said that a true yogi is paradukaduki. That means the happiness of another is my happiness, and the suffering of another is my suffering. And when we feel for the sufferings of the body and the mind, that is sattva, that is goodness. But when we understand that the true source of all suffering is when a person forgets his or her own eternal identity, the atma, the soul, which is such ananda, eternal, full of knowledge and full of bliss, beyond birth and beyond death. When due to the ahankar, the false ego which creates the misconception where we forget our own eternal identity. We are all a part of God. We have those qualities. To forget the love of God that is my inherent treasure and how to be an instrument of that love Ananda Mayobhyashat. Forgetful of that happiness, 
We are prone to seek that same happiness through so many of the temporary, ever-changing things of this world. And it becomes so complicated and so implicated. So great yogis, sages, they understand that the greatest compassion is to help people awaken their eternal, blissful, loving identity. And when they see people in forgetfulness, in this dreamlike state, engaging in so many wasteful activities, even in the name of pleasure, to cause pain and suffering to others for our own purpose, it breaks the heart of compassionate, saintly people. So these sages were gathered together because they could see that Kali Yuga was coming. The age of quarrel and hypocrisy. The age where irreligion is taken to be religion and religion is taken to be irreligion. They could see it was already happening. And how, due to disconnection from truth, it was going to get more and more severe. Even in the name of spirituality, religion, which is meant to awaken love and inspire kindness and compassion. In the name of religion, people would be hateful, arrogant, violent, judgmental, selfish, and use God as a justification, an absolute justification to serve their own egoistic tendencies. So they gathered together to try to somehow or other create a solution. So they were discussing these spiritual subjects and among them, one great yogi sage named Sutta Goswami came. Not far from here on the bank of Mother Ganga is a place called Sukhatal, where the Srimad Bhagavatam was originally spoken by Shukadev Goswami to the great King Parikshit. King Parikshit was cursed to die in seven days, and he considered it a blessing of God because he was given a chance to really focus on what is really important and meaningful in life, his relationship with God. He asked three questions to a gathering of sages. What is the essence of all the great religions of the world? What is the prime responsibility of a human being? And what is the duty of a person about to die? 
Sukadev Goswami spoke 18,000 verses called the Srimad Bhagavatam in answer to those questions. And one of the people who was quietly sitting and listening and remembering everything was Sutta Goswami. He came to this gathering in Naimasharanya on the banks of the Gomati River, and all the sages asked him the same essential questions. One of the questions of all the, of all the scriptures and spiritual traditions throughout the world, we see there are so many interpretations and so many argumentations that is dividing people in so many ways. What is the essence? The essence of all spiritual truths. Sanatan Dharma. And Sutta Goswami answered, initially with one verse that he expanded upon. Savai pung sang paro dharmo yato bhaktir rhokshaje ahoitaki aparati hatayayatma suprasediti. The supreme dharma. Dharma sometimes means occupation, sometimes means religion. The supreme dharma is not a sectarian conception. It is that process which awakens loving devotion to the Supreme Transcendent Lord. Such loving devotional service, which he calls bhakti, must be unmotivated by any selfishness or arrogance and uninterrupted by any changing circumstances that may come before us in order to truly satisfy the self. In the next verse he speaks, Vasudeve Bhagavati Bhakti Yoga Prayojata Janeyatyashu Vairagyam Jnanam Chayadohaitakam When such love of God Love of the supreme truth is awakened from within our heart. Then we fulfill the culmination of all detachment from material things and all knowledge, vairagya and jnan. The yoga of love or bhakti as Bhagavati Devi was explaining the other day on the bank of the Ganga, is to take our own selfish interests out of the center of our lives. Janasya Mohoya Mahamamaiti. The root cause of all conflict and suffering in this world is we are in this conception of thinking in terms of I am this body. I am the designations of this body, and whatever is in relation is mine. I, me, mine. That creates so many divisions. I 
I remember I was giving a lecture once at a university, and there was a professor of economics that invited me to speak in his class. I asked him, "You're asking me to speak on economics." I have not had a bank account or signed a check since 1969, <laughs> but I spoke, and afterwards, I said, "According to your academic um, tradition, what really is the essential problem that economics is trying to solve?" And I'll never forget what he told me. He says, from an academic perspective, the problem of economics is very simple. There's only a limited amount of resources within the world, and every person has such selfish greed that everyone needs unlimited resources. So there's a lot of problems. In the fifth chapter of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna tells what he calls the peace formula. Bhoktaram jagatapasam sarvaloka maheshwaram suradam sarvabhutanam gyatvamam shantim. Shantim vrachchati. If you want real peace, just understand three principles. That there's one supreme truth, Bhagavan, who's the ultimate enjoyer of everything. And sarvaloka maheshwaram, and that supreme Lord, Krishna is speaking, is the proprietor of everything that exists and is the most intimate, loving, best friend for all. So how do we take ourselves out of the center, our selfish needs, where everything is just about eat me and mine? It's only possible when we have a higher experience. And that's putting Bhagavan, putting God in the center. The fourth canto of the Bhagavad Purana tells that when you water the root of a tree, naturally that water extends to every part of the tree. The leaves, the branches, the twigs, and the flowers. And similarly, when we put seva, Service to God, loving God in the center of our life, that love and that service extends to every living being. The Brahma Sutra tells Janmadhyayataha. The absolute truth is the source of everything and everyone. We cannot love God and not love every living being. Because every living being is a part of God. And nature is the divine energy of God. There are so many problems, both in the way humans are living, with such enmity toward each other, such enmity toward other living beings, slaughterhouses, cruelty, it's considered normal in Kali Yuga. It is due to pollution within the ecology of human hearts. 
when through yoga, through the practice of our spiritual path, we clean the ecology of heart, of selfish passion and greed, envy, anger, illusion, then naturally it's like a cloud that dissipates so that the light of the sun can shine freely. The light of the sun of the soul, a part of God, God's grace can shine through us in everything we speak, everything we do. And unless we clean this arrogance and greed from our own hearts, then it's unsustainable to try to clean the environment because the pollution outside of ourselves is simply a manifestation of what is within human hearts. In the Vedic context, the absolute truth is one and has both a male and female nature. The female nature, the Haladini Shakti, is the source of all compassion, forgiveness, and nourishment of wisdom and kindness. a manifestation of that feminine aspect of the divine, or Sri Radha, Sri Sita, is Ganga. Just as the eternal soul is permeating this body and is conscious of every cell of this body, similarly, the goddess Ganga, the mother of all living beings who nourishes all her children, has assumed the body of this river to nourish us with kindness and with grace. And similarly, that feminine potency appears as Mother Earth. In Sanskrit, Bhumi. And a very inseparable aspect of our yoga or our spiritual path is how we honor the compassionate Ganga and the compassionate Bhumi of Mother Earth. In the Ramayana, Sita, the consort of Sri Ram, she was born from the earth, very symbolic. Ravana, who was a, he was actually a very powerful mystic. He performed tapasya in various places, including Gokarna, where he attained such powers. He could change his form. He could chant mantras and create unbelievable nuclear-type weapons. He could see distances. He had yogic cities. But yogic cities are only mechanical ways of ma manipulating subtle material energy unless we understand the essence of yoga, which is to transform the quality of our heart from greed to compassion, 
from manipulation, exploitation, and proprietorship, that craving, to the desire to serve. So he had all these powers, but the ecology of his heart was filthy. He abducted Sita. He kidnapped her for his own personal exploitation. And he kept her on the island of Sri Lanka. He separated her from Ram. And then there was Hanuman, the symbol of bhakti or love. He jumped across the ocean and performed such incredible historical deeds to bring Sita back to Ram. So each and every one of us, we have these tendencies. We have the Ravana tendency, the tendency to exploit and be selfish and put ourself in the center, and the Hanuman tendency to serve with love. And at every moment, we have the choice. Are we going to follow Ravana's example or Hanuman's example? If we follow Hanuman's example, we are instruments of compassion, of grace to the world, to the environment, and to all living beings. If we follow that, that influence of Ravana that's within us, then we pollute the environment and we selfishly cause so much harm and pain to others. So yoga is to harmonize the body with the mind, with the intellect, with the atma, with the eternal nature of our true self. And then to harmonize the self with the will of the Supreme Self, the Paramatma, who we call Krishna or Sri Ram. And then to live in a spirit of seva, of loving service. It is that loving service that actually gives true happiness to ourselves and it's the true wealth we have to share with others. In the Himalayas, there is a metaphor that is often used by the yogis living here. It is the musk deer. This particular deer has a gland, and that gland excretes um, a certain oil that we call musk. It costs about $40,000 a kilo. It's quite precious, but it really smells nice. So the musk deer smells it and wants to find that fragrance and enjoy it. And according to the metaphor, the musk deer spends his whole life crossing rivers, going through thorny bushes, going through jungles, risking everything, trying to find 
the pleasure of that smell. Not knowing that it's within himself. It's a simple analogy. But it's the story of life. We're looking, we're striving for so much acquisition and physical and emotional pleasure. Not knowing that what we're really looking for is within our own hearts. It's the love of God. It's our love for God. It's our love for all living beings. Then whatever we have, whatever we can do, we utilize it in that spirit of love and devotion. Whether we're billionaires or millionaires or little sadhus living in a cave, big and small, have no real importance. It's quality that bhakti is about. When Hanumanji was building that bridge across the Indian Ocean, he was so strong, he could lift mountains. And as he was carrying a mountain, there was a little squirrel. This little squirrel wanted to help. He was a tiny squirrel. What he did is he jumped in the water and he got all wet. Then he rolled around in the sand. And then he got on the bridge, it was just being built, and he started shaking himself. And the sand went on the bridge. And that was his contribution, a few grains of sand. But while he was doing this, he was standing right in front of Hanuman, who was carrying a mountain, and Hanuman couldn't move forward. So he said, please move. And Ram said, no. He's doing as much as you. Your capacity is to lift mountains. His capacity is to lift grains of sand. But you're both doing everything you can with the same spirit of devotion. Patram pushpam palamto yam yome bhakta prayachchati taraham bhaktu paritam ashnami prayatatmana. Bhagavad Gita tells, even if you offer me, Krishna says, a leaf, a flower, a fruit or a little water, if it is offered with devotion, I accept it. Bhakti understands that the Lord is bhava grahi janardana. That means he only accepts the essence and what is the essence? The quality of the sincerity of our love, of our devotion. I'd like to conclude by telling a story that really moves me every time I tell it. Because as I'm telling it, I get to hear it too. Bhagavan Sri Krishna appeared about 500 years ago as Sri Chaitanya. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu lived in his early life on the bank of the holy river Ganga, downstream quite a ways in Navadweep. The story I'm about to tell you 
happened here on the banks of the Ganga. In his early years, he was known as Nimai because he was born under a neem tree. That tree is still there. He did not reveal his divinity until later. He was in the mood of a devotee to teach us devotion. He used to go down a little path in an area called Simantadweep. And on the side of that dirt path, there was a man named Sridhar. Nobody knew him by that name. He was really socially the most insignificant person possible. If anyone did know him, they just called him Kolavecha, which means the banana leaf seller. He would collect some banana leaves and sit on the side of the road and sell them. And every now and then he'd find some bananas or some banana roots or some banana flowers. And he was a different kind of businessman. Because usually business people, their way of thinking is, how can I make the most possible profit from what I have? He was thinking, how can I make the least possible profit and survive? Because how much do banana leaves cost? But he was thinking, I don't want to inconvenience anyone. Let me make it available as much as possible to everyone and somehow or other maintain myself. And whatever funds he would get, you know what he would do? He would take half of it immediately and worship Mother Ganga, the holy river Ganges. Because he understood the identity. The goddess Ganji is manifesting her compassion, her grace, in the form of the current of this river. Every drop of water is so sacred. The scriptures tell that just by seeing Mother Ganga, by bathing in Mother Ganga, by touching Mother Ganga, by tasting the water of the Ganga, by being touched by the breeze that has come from Mother Ganga, we are blessed and the divine love in our hearts is awakened. And to the degree we have faith, it has very, very powerful effects. So he wanted to show his gratitude by offering flowers and puja to Mother Ganga. Just as we are having our Ganga Arti in a very elaborate way, he would do it very simple. And with whatever was left, he somehow or other survived with his family. So Nimai would come every day down that little road and ask him, how much is your bananas? Sridhar would say, a really fair price. Nimai responded, it's too much, I'll give you half they would argue about the price of the bananas. Eventually, Nimai would just say, why are you cheating me? I will just take it for nothing and walk away. And Sridhar was very happy. 
because he was a devotee of Krishna. He didn't know that Nimai was Krishna, but he loved him just like he loved Krishna. It was very mysterious. It's described that every day, this is in the scripture, Nimai and Kolavecha Sridhar would argue the price of bananas for minimum three hours. And if Nimai was coming down the road a little late, Sridhar would just be looking at the dirt path, looking and looking, where is Nimai, where is Nimai? And he didn't see him, is he not coming today? His heart would be beating with expectation, with longing and yearning to see Nimai. And then when he would see Nimai coming, Nimai's coming! And he would somehow contain himself, and Nimai would say, how much is the bananas today? And they'd argue for a few hours, and it was a loving exchange. And then Nimai would take the bananas and walk away. One day Nimai said to Sridhar, Why do you worship this Krishna? What is the use of this bhakti yoga? What is it doing for you? Look at all around you, there's wealthy people. They don't do this. They have nice clothes. Your clothes, you just have the same set of clothes I see you wearing every single day and there's at least 15 holes in your clothes. And you don't even have the money for needle and thread, you just tie a knot to close the hole. And your body is so skinny and weak looking and your house is just one room of a straw hut with absolutely no furniture. What is God doing for you? You're doing everything for your God. What is he doing for you? And Sridhar smiled. He said, In my life, I have observed that there's a king who's living in a big palace, eating the finest foods and wearing the nicest clothes. And then there's the bird. It's living in a tree. And he wears the same old set of feathers every day. And he just eats whatever little berries are growing. But as far as I could see, they're passing their lives in the same way. Sometimes they're enjoying, sometimes they're suffering, sometimes they're confident, sometimes they're fearful. I'm finding such inner satisfaction just chanting God's holy names. I don't require anything else. I just want to serve. Nimai said, someday I'm going to expose you as being a hypocrite. Sridhar said, what do you mean by that? He said, you are such a wealthy person, you have such a great treasure, but you're hiding it from the world. Everyone thinks you're in poverty, but I'm going to expose you. Sridhar said, whatever you see outside is what's inside. I'm, I'm not hiding anything. He said, I will expose you. Would you like to hear how he exposed? Years later, Nimai manifested his lila, his pastime, as being Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And he established within Navadvip this Harinam Sankirtan movement. 
he offered a prayer nam nam kari bahuta nija sarva shakti tatrapita niyamita smarane nakala ethadrsi tavakripa bhagavan mamapi dur daiva mitra ihajni nanuraga that means the one supreme father mother of all living beings has many many names and in each and every one of these names the lord has invested grace and power and compassion and love and there's no hard and fast rules for chanting these names anyone young or old from any place can can awaken their love of god simply by sincerely chanting these beautiful mantras cheto darpana marjanam the mind is like a mirror when the mirror is covered with dust of our lust and envy and anger and greed and arrogance and illusion always our whole identity and life is that we're dust but when the mirror is clean we see our true self our true divine nature as loving instruments so he taught this profound system of yoga of hari naam sankirtan kalera dosani de rajan asti heko mahan guna kirtane eva krishna sya mukta sanga parambraje the scripture tells us in this age of kali where there's so many faults in the world today there's a special benediction simply by chanting the names of krishna one can attain the supreme perfection of liberation so he was having kirtan with his devotees and he was revealing his true nature of krishna to his most confidential associates and he asked them bring shridhar and even the devotees didn't know who shridhar was he said just go it's the middle of the night just go this direction and you'll hear somebody crying out god's names krishna's names that's shridhar and they brought him and the real, the lord revealed his divine form of krishna to shridhar and said to him i want to offer you any benediction i can give you everything anything ask ask and shridhar looked up such a simple person he said i don't want anything and the lord said but i want to give you something ask for anything i will give you the wealth of the heavens you're so poor i'll give you such palaces and land and opulence shridhar said i have no interest in property or houses or opulence lord chaitanya said i will give you the perfection of the yogic cities you could read people's minds you could travel on 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 light beams of the sun you could you can create through mantras anything you want i will give you the mystic powers shridhar said if i have these mystic powers they will only distract my mind i don't want 
Lord Chaitanya said, I will give you mukti, liberation, no more birth, no more death, complete peace. Ask. Sridhar said, I have no interest whatsoever in moksha. Lord Chaitanya said, ask for something. Sridhar said, please do not be disturbed. I don't want anything. Lord Chaitanya said, I'm not disturbed. Sridhar said, I only want to please you. And Lord Chaitanya said, it will please me if you ask for something. I will end with this request. Sridhar said, if it pleases you that I ask for something, then grant me this one benediction. In every birth I may take anywhere, that you will always come to me in your beautiful form of Nimai to steal my bananas. I want nothing else but to be the servant of the servant of the servant and always remember you, remembering you and chanting your holy names. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hari Rama, Hari Rama, Rama Rama, Hari Hari. This is one little historical episode that took place on the bank of Mother Ganga that reveals the principle of unconditional, unmotivated love. I thank you very much. <laughs>